everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On the show, we talk about the system that we use to get clarity on our goals, certainty that we have the tools to reach them, and wealthy on our terms by rigging the game in our favor. And we share here because we want to help you reach your goals on your terms. You've been told to scale by this product, that product, from every each way, often from good meaning people. So it's not your fault when you look around and you wonder, why am I not where I want to be in my business? And as Dan Nicholson says, the biggest risk is that we don't get what we want out of life. I'm a good friend and business partner here in the Whale Club, Mr. Paul Sparks himself. Not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. And guys, if you get value out of the show, please hit the subscribe button right now. That way, we can help more people become wealthy on their terms. Title for today's show, a little bit different. Questions to ask before partnering. And before we get into that, six-word updates. What do you got, Paul? Well, uh, we had a week off last week, so it's good to be back, first of all. Um, and uh, glad to see that your sons picked up a win last night. I it know is that nice. you were at the game. Yeah. So that's awesome. Uh, my six-word update today. Fire hose to the face building townhomes. Uh, I have a lot of you guys know. In fact, it's so funny because this show, this podcast, you guys have seen me grow and I've grown with you. And the the, the conversations that Steve and I have every week here has just benefited my life and business tremendously. So first of all, I guess I just want to say thank you to you for giving me this platform. Thank you for everyone here that continues to listen to us because it allows us to articulate our thoughts each week and hopefully share some valuable stuff with you. But you guys saw me go last year from wholesaler into developer. And uh, I've been drinking from the fire hose ever since we broke ground in April. And for any of you guys who follow me on Instagram, first of all, if you don't follow me on Instagram, come on. <laughs> Shoot me a follow. Paul Sparks <laughs> official, right? Come check out my townhouse projects. Watch me grow as a real estate investor and apply certainty um, to what we're doing. But point is, is yeah, the last couple months I've been on site pretty much every day because you just don't get an opportunity like this to learn from guys who are building, um, you know, 18 townhomes. It's a $10 million project. It's a, it's a fantastic opportunity. I've been carrying uh, concrete. I've been looking up, you know, hauling up. Uh, cabinets and flooring and all sorts of stuff, but really just getting to learn how this process gets um, uh, gets done. And so anybody that has questions about development, I don't know all the answers, but I'm happy to answer them for you. If you'd like, you can go check it out. Paul Sparks official and watch my journey uh, becoming a, a real estate developer. That's awesome. And yeah, guys, if you guys don't follow Paul, like we will skip trace you, right? Like we will skip we will, trace we will you and harass you. you. We already have your data already. So <laughs> we, we know have the technology. <laughs> Just kidding. What's your six-word update today, Steve? Uh, calculate expected value of strategic partnerships. Right. So we had a we had a whale club just uh, this past week. This week, we're talking about expect or last week. Sorry, expected values, which is like a total like nerdy concept, right? So if you're in engineering or poker, expected value makes a lot of sense. Outside of those scenarios, not a lot of people talk about expected values. So calculating expected values of, of a strategic partnership. Mm -hmm. We're going to dive into that today. We are. So what's the problem? So I think the problem generally from what I've seen, and if you listen to the podcast, Real Estate Disruptors, you'll hear that I am like probably the biggest naysayer on partnerships, right? Which is a complete and utter hypocrisy because Paul Sparks and I are partners. And I've got so many partnerships, right? I got one with Eric Brewer for innovation. Got one with Ren Bartlett for sales leadership. 
Um, got one at the title company. Like I've got so many freaking partnerships. So I'm like the biggest hypocrite when it comes to this. However, uh, I think that a lot of partnerships start off with, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, rose colored glasses, <laughs> right? Like, hey, I got a problem, you got a problem, but together we'll crush this problem together, right? So I think um, in addition to what I want to talk about for myself, like what are some things you see generally uh, in, in partnerships and partnerships that fall apart? What do they say? 50% of marriages end in divorce. I would say it's probably like 70% of business partnerships end in divorce. What yeah. do you say? Uh, yeah, if not higher. What was it? Uh, the one ship, this is going to be totally terrible. And this is not something I believe, but it's a saying in our industry is that only the only ship that's guaranteed to sink is a relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or is it a partnership? It's a partnership. Partnership. Right? Yeah. That's funny. Like, um, so, so uh, yeah, you were saying 50%, 70%. Uh, of partnerships break up well and let's talk let's start off by talking about biases for a second you know because it's the rose-colored glasses we always assume that we're going to perform at our best that the other person's going to pull their equal weight that nothing's going to disrupt in the future what we have here nobody's going to get you know going to have kids nobody's going to have uh, a reason to, to, to start a different business. There's going to be no additional opportunities. We're just <laughs> operating in this vacuum as if everything's going to go well. And if you're listening to this and you're an active real estate investor, I can almost guarantee you, you've probably faced this question. Should I partner with somebody? Mm-hmm. You know, I want you to just like virtually raise your hand for me. If you've ever <laughs> had that, that like thought of, should I partner with someone or not? That's what we really want to address today because we all have this question as real estate investors you know, we, we talked this week um, in Whale Club about the Who Not, uh, who not How, uh, Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy. That is a freaking awesome book. Such a good book. But we have to be careful, especially as we're choosing partnerships, just like you should be careful when you're choosing a partner to marry. Mm-hmm. You should be very careful with business partnerships because they can set you back a long ways if you have to unwind things, if you have to... Uh, especially 50-50 relationships, mm-hmm. right? So you're, you're, you're spot on. The problem is, is we always assume that everything's going to go well. So let's first talk about what is it about that bias that's like leading us to have those thoughts that everything always works out? Why, why do we think that? Well, I think if you're an entrepreneur, you, you're generally a more optimistic person, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't go into business if you weren't hopeful for the future, if you're a person that had a negative outlook on life, you're not going to go into business. You're going to go get a job, and you're going to hate life. Like I think that's probably mis- I might ob- maybe oversimplifying it, right? But generally, if you go into business for yourself as an entrepreneur, it's because you're an optimistic person with very strong belief in yourself and possibilities. Like you're like no one says like Paul, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to do okay. Like Paul, I'm going to start a business, I'm going to freaking crush it. That's the attitude. Because if that's not your attitude, why would you subject yourself to all the pains and misery of running a business? Uh, that's exactly right. I, I was going to add something else too. I think that a lot of times partnerships are driven because we want relief mm-hmm. potentially. That I'm not, I'm not speaking specifically to your situation, but what I am saying is there were situations before where I partnered with somebody just because I wanted help. Like I needed, I wanted relief. Mm -hmm. And this person was like, Oh, I I can do what you don't want to do. Um, 
there's a sense of uh for me also i have a hard time with hard conversations so when we go into a, a business partnership i oftentimes just avoid having the really difficult conversation of what's going to happen if we break up how are we going to handle we're not signing prenups here you know it's it's like that's what's gotten me into trouble is yeah. breaking partnerships where we thought the best case scenario was going to happen uh -huh. we didn't have the hard conversations around what are we going to do if this doesn't work out what are we going to do if you get a different opportunity or this no longer works for one of us how do we dissolve this and that's led to animosity it's led to stress it's led to generally just moving backwards mm -hmm. in business you know yeah. and so uh well i think the part you talk about the part about talking about prenup yeah absolutely i cannot encourage enough get a prenup get get divorced on paper before you get into business together um you know i was i had a chance to ponder right like one of my partnerships that that ended um and you look back it's like well everything you just said a moment ago opportunities presented themselves that weren't available beforehand uh things occurred you know uh again eric brewer is a good friend of mine doesn't sound like it if you listen to part of the disruption but we are actually friends right uh, we had a, we had a conversation he was like yeah you know like the reason this ended is because you both grew as people that's the end of it you both grew as individuals and you grew in different directions and that's just what happens in life yeah right yeah so i think it starts by first of all recognizing that you got to take your rose-colored glasses off that means different things for different people we all have that tendency to see what we want to see you know, we see the vision of what it can be in the best case scenario or even just the average scenario. And we never want to anticipate what happens when things go wrong because you can't predict the future. It makes it difficult to account for that. So yeah. especially as you're like considering new partnerships, that's that's the first thing to recognize. And that's what we talk about uncertainty all the time is yeah. stop building a system, assuming that everything's going to go exactly as planned. You know, it never does. It never right. does. So uh, the reason why I wanted to talk about this and I wanted to go over case and everything else on this show today was because we have Stephanie Betters, right? Uh, owner, founder of Left Main REI, uh, Whale Club member, and she's a friend. And I called her up and said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing something and I wanted to get your perspective on it. And as she started talking about, you know, what the motivation of this and I was like, you know what? I'm still collecting information. Let's collect more information. So... Uh, just to add some more context here, what I was, when I reached out to her, I'm looking at closemarsales.com, right? I'm seeing this is a potential $100 million company. This is, right? Entrepreneurs, we don't shoot for like average. We don't shoot for middle. Like we're going to crush it. That's the vision. Uh, there are multiple sales trainers out there, right? Grant Cardone is the biggest, but there are a handful well-respected names inside the industry. And I have an idea of how much revenue they bring in, comparisons to the future. I get all I get all those things, right? But I see what they're bringing in, and if I can bring in just a little bit more than what they're bringing in, then if you look at EBITDA, right? Uh, e B I T D A. I don't know how to say it exactly. If you look at how people are valuing valuing companies, it's not a far leap if I can hit some of these numbers to get to a hundred million dollar valuation, right? These are the things I'm thinking about. So if that's the case, what is the best approach? And I've looked at three different options here. One is just rack up a bunch of debt, right? Oh, actually, first thing is, it'd be nice to just have a lot of capital. That'd be the easiest, right? The easiest solution is just have a bunch of capital, right? If it just had a couple million in the bank, 
hire all the right people, do all these things, hire people that have had multiple successful exits, all these other things. That'd be like the ideal scenario, right? But we don't have, you know, a couple million in the bank. So then what are some alternatives? Uh, I can just go get an SBA loan, right? I could um, reach out to private equity because these guys are looking for companies. You saw it, I think, last year. Uh, like PropStream sold for like 150 something million dollars, right? There's multiple companies that are being bought, right? The private equities are looking for for companies to acquire, right? And then the third one is, and this is something that Stephanie brought. Is like, why don't you just partner with someone who would see you as a huge value add for their organization? So those are the three different scenarios, and those are all three things that I'm I'm thinking about now. Last week, you might have seen me have a little bit of a crisis of confidence, right? Shocker for everyone that's listening to this right now that Steve ever has a crisis of confidence. But on the Whale Club call, my six-word update was, would I invest in me? And why did I say that? Because I was thinking, man, if I was to reach out to a private equity firm and show them what I have right now, they'd laugh me out the door, right? This is not the position... My company is not well positioned right now to go raise money through a private equity firm. So anyway, I put that all, all on you, vomit this all on you here, because I'm being vulnerable for everyone that's listening right now. I want to get your perspective on all the different things I just mentioned here. Hmm. Let's talk about what's on your shirt right now first. <laughs> I wore this shirt for a very specific reason today, because I knew we were going to go in this direction. What's your shirt say for those who can't see? Closer over more. Okay. So our process that mm-hmm. we take people through and that we've gone through is always to start by like, what do you want? What's your solvable problem? Mm-hmm. And how do we get closer to that without chasing more and more and more? Right. Now, that can oftentimes be misconstrued that I'm sitting here saying you shouldn't make a lot of money and you shouldn't go after big, hairy, audacious goals like $100 million. I'm not saying that. Right. Um, what I am saying is you just got to have clarity on why you want it. Mm-hmm. So let's start by talking about that. You know, yeah. I get it. hundred million. Wow. That sounds cool. Mm-hmm. But is that more or is that closer? And it's, tell us why. Tell us why you want it. Well, it's definitely more because it doesn't get me closer. But what I've shared here on the podcast as well is that I'm just about there on the closer side, right? Like, what do I need to survive? 20k a month passively and i'm not there passively but i'm there right actively so if that's the case then it's just buttoning up the systems right so like i'm right there over as far as the uh a wife that feels cherished uh, kids that are fulfilled and contributing members of society well-adjusted is what you always say to me. Yeah, right? They're, yeah, like well-adjusted, fulfilled, contributing members to society, right? Yeah. After that, uh, will this help the people in my organization become millionaires? It absolutely will, right? Uh, and the fourth one is to, uh, you know, create millionaires in general uh, and play with, uh, you know, be around for the great-grandkids. But this one does risk <laughs> the cherished wife I don't think this is going to affect one way or another the well-adjusted, fulfilled kids. This will help create millionaires within the organization, though. Mm -hmm. So 
let me ask a very framing question. When you hit the number that you want to hit from a financial perspective, mm -hmm. can you go for more? Should you go for more? <laughs> um, well, I mean, we're talking about the, are we allowed to change our minds? Are we allowed yeah. to change what we're going for? And the answer is yes, right? I mean, that's what I talked about breaking the game. I reserve the right to change my mind. Yeah. Right. Well, let me let me add this. Like, we're all trying to get to a number financially. I mean, I can. It's as simple as this in my mind. How much money do you need to live the life that you want to live on your terms on on your timeline without compromise? Mm -hmm. What we found is it's not actually as much money as you think you need. Right. But are we allowed? Like, so what? So if we get there. Should we go for more? Can we go for more? And my answer would be, it depends. <laughs> depends on what you want. Right. What do you actually want? Let's bring this back to a timer. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the framework we use to describe all the different currencies. So you have a timer stands for attention, time, impact or influence, money, energy, and then relationships. And, uh, once you have enough money to live the life that you want to live, uh, can you make more money to get a bigger, like these currencies can be traded for other things, you mm -hmm. know? So you might initially be optimizing for money. So for everyone out there who needs more money to live the life that they want to live, uh, feel free to optimize for money. When you get to your goal and you hit that solvable problem number, it may not be about making more money, but you also might need money to trade for the other currencies that you want. Right. Let's say you're trying to give a million dollars away. I've heard people say this before. I want to give a million dollars away per year. Well, let's say your solvable problem number was a million dollars a year and you hit it. It's like, well, if you want to give a million dollars away again, you need to make another million. Mm -hmm. So, but it's not necessarily about the pursuit of the money. Money is the means to get another currency. Right. So for you, I would just, I would challenge you to reframe what you think of when you think a solvable problem. A lot of people think of that in terms of finance at the beginning, but mm -hmm. you also have a phrase that you always say that was when I started listening to you years and years ago was, I want to help a hundred uh, people become millionaires. Right. Absolutely. So the question becomes more like, is it's not necessarily about the hundred million that you want to make from closemoresales.com. Yeah. Money is the means to get you the other currencies that you want. So like what, Maybe we got to update the solvable problem. Maybe you got where you need to get to mm -hmm. on the finance side. And now money is no longer the ultimate motivator. It's the other currencies that you gain by going after the hundred million. Maybe it's the impact that you can make on people's lives. Maybe it's the attention that you're going to get. Maybe it's the re the uh, relationships that you gain or, or the energy that you get by doing it. There's also a phrase we say preference versus binary. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't need a reason other than I just want to do it. <laughs> I want to do it. And it, and yeah. it is because it's a cool, awesome goal. And that's good enough for a lot of people too. Um, so I was, uh, I did a podcast with, uh, Carlos Reyes, Carlos Reyes and Alex Sainz. And he asked me, he's like, what do you want to be remembered for? Like, oh, that's an interesting question. And what I said to him is, I want to, I want to be remembered to, as the guy who changed the way sales was done. This was a few years ago, mm -hmm. right? Because the way we sell, it's not innovative, but it's different. It's different enough. It's different where no one's going to say, man, like Steve's a sleazy sales guy, right? Mm -hmm. 
it's that opposite of what's trending right now, the pushy car sales guy. So it does fulfill that purpose. But let's be honest, right? Like this is totally achievement addiction. <laughs> this is like, this is something that I can do. And it'd be pretty cool if we can do it. I, I think that, you know, let's say, let's say my solve a problem was 100,000 a month, right? And we get there. I still wouldn't stop. <laughs> I couldn't no. stop. Like you were saying, like you want to play business, like, like you play uh, pickup basketball. Yeah. I couldn't stop. I would lose my mind. Well, and that's the point, though, is it's a reframe. When yeah. you say, I want to, I want to, I forget how you said it, but I want to be the most influential. I want to impact sales. I want to do some. Mm -hmm. That's influence. Right. Like that's influence. And this is the problem is we get so caught up in the, the common denominator of money. Mm -hmm. Well, I could make more money if I did this. Well, sometimes it's not about the money. It's about right. something else, but we don't quite have the, the frame or the language to articulate that. Yeah. And also it can't come at a cost to the other things that also matter. Right. So back to the whole analogy you're just saying there, I play pickup basketball almost every single day. And, but if that impacted some other non-negotiables that I have in my life, then I, I would, I wouldn't play pickup basketball every single right. day. You know, like if it was somehow harming my wife or my other relationships or the things that I hold most dear to me, then I wouldn't do it. So I would say the same thing to you. It doesn't have to make sense to everybody else. Yeah. You can go after it, but let's just recognize the trade-offs that we're making and let's properly characterize what problem we're trying to solve is the point of trying to make a hundred million dollars with closemoresales.com. Is it because you, is it because you want the hundred million dollars or is it because no. you want some other thing and it doesn't have to make sense to everybody else? You just need to have clarity on why it is. Mm -hmm. uh, I, again, I'm a huge fan of go and do something like huge, go set a big goal, go achieve big things. Just know why you're doing it. And let's not confuse what we always do as we say, it's all about, you know, it's, I could make this much more money if I did this. It's like, well, but you already have enough money. Mm -hmm. Like, right. Okay. Well, you may just not be characterizing why you want what you want. Mm -hmm. And that oftentimes can lead us to just not being able to describe why we're doing the things that we're doing, which can lead to other issues with our relationships. But telling your, your loved ones and your partner who you're partnering with, it's like, this isn't, this isn't about the hundred million for me. This is about the lasting impact we can make in the sales world. And this is why I want that. Yeah, that was a great point. So, you know, it's funny. I think, uh, was it seeking consensus? So before Stephanie, yeah. first person I called was Matt Andrews. And he was saying, yeah, you know, like, I love this vision. I think it's possible. Here's what you should do, right? He's like, you should go to join the Genius Network, connect with Joe Polish and be in that room. You should go connect with Roland Frazier. Go connect with Ryan Dice, Perry Belcher, right? These are like all like brilliant marketers. Right? You should go connect with Russell Brunson, which was an inspiration too, right? Like, like being in that room with ClickFunnels, like, holy cow, there's a whole room full of people that need help with sales, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, yeah, those all sound great. But that kind of requires travel. I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> Sounds great. The, the good thing about Genius Network is it's actually in my backyard. So I can just go to Joe's office. It's like five minutes away. It's where I met you first time for the first time. Mm -hmm. Right? So there's that. Uh, I can go out and, 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 and travel and create all these relationships. Right? Or I could bring in a strategic partner. So then when I was thinking about expected value, I'd like to get your take on this. Maybe we're jumping too soon into strategizing. Um, 
But expected value is like, how do you identify the right partner if I was going to do a strategic partnership? Okay. What are the questions I should be asking myself? Yeah. Well, I'm glad we didn't just do what we were probably like naturally inclined to do, which is just jump right to this conversation because uh -huh. this is way more fun. Um, but I do want to just before we move on, just stress yes. the importance of of clarity and why it's important to be able to to say what you want and why you want it. You know, um, it's really easy to just get caught up in chasing things if yeah. you can't articulate if you're trying to solve a financial problem then let's label it as such. If you've already hit your financial goals, it's okay to make more money, to start doing other things. Just get clarity on why you want it. Just get also clarity on the trade-offs you're not willing to make. I mean, you know, these are your bumpers. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we have a, a good, good friend and partner, uh, mentor, Nick Peterson, who wrote a book called Bumpers. And this is just like saying, how do we define the boundaries of what we're willing and not willing to do? Some people call them non-negotiables. And that's really all that we're saying. Yeah. Go after big things, achieve big things, but do it in a way that is uh, with clarity on why you want it and what you're actually trying to solve. Yeah. Don't try to solve three or four problems at one time. So with that being said, let's start talking about um, how to kind of use this tool of expected value. So uh expected value is a really interesting tool and like you said if you in if you're in any sort of technical background you might have experienced this what i like about it is it gets us out of this binary all or nothing thinking you know you, you choose this partner it either will work out or it won't work out well i <laughs> guess that might be true in a large sense but there's all these other outcomes that lie in between those things mm -hmm. like it works really really well it works kind of good it works you know average it works below average like we want to use this tool to start evaluating our decisions by considering all of the outcomes right mm -hmm. so as you're looking at sba loan private equity or partnership yeah. you know um what would you put you want to you want to talk about partnerships today and like i said maybe, partnerships but before we even get to there just real quick an expected value and this is gonna be a horrible Maybe a horrible tangent. You ever watch Horrible Bosses too? Yes, I have. You With, remember uh, when the, uh, uh, Charlie Day and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. When they're trying to break in that guy's house, it's like, well, let's just open the front door. Let's go through the front door. And he tries yep. to open it. It didn't work. It's like, damn, it didn't work. It's like, why do you think it would work? Because it was fifty-fifty. <laughs> in what world is it fifty-fifty? Was it either it was locked or unlocked? I'm like, no, we got to put right. weights. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good. That's a good case in point right there. They're going to put weights, like how likely is it to be locked? How likely is it to be unlocked? No, nope, it was just 50-50 in, in, that, in that movie. Uh -huh. Well, that's a, good, that's a good lead into expected value. So like, let's say you've got a coin. You know, What's the expected value of that outcome? Well, there's only two outcomes. It's either heads or it's tails. Mm -hmm. And heads, it's 50%. Tails, it's 50%. So really what you do is, like, that's, that's a pretty like, straightforward way to look at it. Let's look at a dice, for example. Mm -hmm. A four-sided, let's say a four-sided dice. Six. Uh, can you have four-sided dice? I don't think you Six. can. Yeah. Six-sided dice. Yeah. Right? Well, each one of those dice has a probability for each side. What would be six? It'd be like 18%-ish? Uh, yeah, 17%. 17%. Um, so each die, each side of the die has 17% chance likely. 
And if the outcome is one, two, three, four, five, six, what you would do is you take each one of those outcomes, multiply it by 17% and add it all up. Um, I could do the math really quick, but I could tell you it's not three. The expected value is not three. It's probably closer to three and a half or four. Right. And the reason we say that is because there's weight to all these things. We also know that just like, is the door going to be open or closed or is it locked or unlocked? Well, that's not a 50, 50 chance, right? The fact right. <laughs> the probability that it's locked is probably much higher than 50%. Right. So here's how you use expected value. And if we're talking about partnerships, this is what you would do. And, and I'll let you tell me what are you, the step, step one, is list out all the possible outcomes. Mm -hmm. What are the possible outcomes with this partner? Yeah, uh, possible outcomes is it was a complete waste of effort. Um, right, that's the worst case scenario is that we partner and they bring nothing to the table. Um, the next one is, um, I guess we partner and I guess they bring, uh, they bring, so the worst case is they bring no value. So now I've devalued the company and it's worth, it's, I'm, I'm worth less. Well, let's, let's back up. Let's back up. Cause I don't think I quite understand when you say partner, give me like, you don't have to use specific names, but like mm -hmm. help me understand like the, the, what you're trying to get at here. Cause sure. I, you and I, this literally is the first time we've talked about this. Sure, sure. So this is live ammo. So let's look at a few different scenarios, right? I could partner with someone who is part of who, who owns a mastermind, right? I could partner with someone who's an influencer. Um, you know, for example, maybe like an Alex Hermosi kind of deal, right? I could partner with someone that has like, we could just roll me into their organization. Um, I could um, partner with someone that just has a lot of money and wants to invest in something, but doesn't bring a lot to the table. So those are a few different considerations that I'm looking at. Got it. So that is really helpful. What I would then do is we would take each one of those scenarios. Mm -hmm. So like partner with an Alex Hermo, like let's say partner with a mastermind, mm -hmm. partner with an influencer, or partner with someone that's just got a lot of cash. Is that right. the three options? I think so. Okay. So, you know, this is also something that's difficult to like verbally articulate. So mm -hmm. we'll try to do our best. It's much better if you're like watching this and you can see a spreadsheet, but mastermind, influencer, uh, money guy right. or girl. Um, so here's how you use expected value. It's not like saying, this is what we expect from these outcomes. It's like, how do we compare these three options on an apples to apples level playing field? These are three completely different things. I don't know how you compare them. That's what expected value does. So right. the process would be to go through and, and line out exactly what you were saying there. What are the different like outcomes? If mm. I worked with a mastermind, well, what are the what are the outcomes with that? What are the outcomes with an influencer? And what are the outcomes with a money guy? Mm -hmm. And then you're going to put probabilities associated with that. Just like with Steve's awesome analogy, if the door is locked or not, 
it's not 50-50 with all this. It's not an equal weighting like a dice across all of these different things. What's the chance that it totally blows up and crashes in and burns? Well, it's probably lower with a mastermind or an influencer mm -hmm. because they've already got an established base. Right. What's the problem? What's the probability you hit your hundred million dollars in the next, let's say, five, ten years or whatever your timeline is? It's probably different for these three different options. And then there's all the little in-between mm -hmm. options. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, how am I supposed to know? How am I supposed to make a guess on what the probability is? Well, that's the exercise is you got to do your best to try to assign weights to these yeah. different outcomes. It's not evenly weighted. It's distributed amongst uh, these different scenarios. Right. So then going back to that, we want to go into like what are the different po uh, different possible outcomes? If you want to, uh, let's take Matt. Let's just do one of them, right? Let's take right. let's take your 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 most um, likely, or the one you're leaning towards the most right now. Don't have one. This is why we're doing this exercise. Okay. What do you? What does your gut tell you? Let's pick. pick just pick one. Mastermind, influencer, money guy. Uh, let's go influencer. Okay. So you're gonna you're gonna take this to an influencer. Let's say you make this agreement. What's the worst? What's the worst case scenario, and what's the probability of that? Worst case scenario, the guy's uh, right after we agree, his reputation is tarnished, right? Because uh, okay. <laughs> cancel culture is right out. Just says you never know when it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to do this on my uh, computer here because it's going to be difficult to do this on my board. Um, yeah. All right, so option one. So if you're listening, you can just follow along. Option one was partner with an influencer. Yeah. And the outcomes are Steve ruins this guy's life. <laughs> or the other way. <laughs> yeah. So just total crash and burn. Now, yeah. what is the value of that to you? It's a negative number, I assume. Yeah, it's negative. I mean, I think it hurts the company horribly uh, in that scenario. So like how, like how much value? I don't know. Um, I mean, let's say it ruins the company entirely, so a million dollars. Okay. Let's say it's a million bucks. Yeah. What's the second outcome? Uh, second outcome is they say they're going to do all these things and they don't do any of these things. Right? It's the okay. risk of every so partnership. Unfulfilled obligations. Yeah. And what is the value if they if that happens? Uh, slightly negative. I don't know. Negative hundred grand. All right, we're giving up a percentage of the company. Okay. Now, of course, all this is you refine, you refine, you refine. Mm -hmm. What's the next outcome? Um, they do what they say they're gonna do, and it's uh, a good result. So I was just gonna say meets expectations. Meets expectations. Okay. What's the value of that? If it goes how you think it's going to go, what's it worth to you? Uh, if it goes the way I think it's going to go, um, I mean, it could be worth an extra, you know, uh, $2 million. Uh, and all these numbers I'm using is based off of one, uh, in a year, right? Uh, so I'll say $2 million potentially. Annual, annualized. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what would be the exceeds expectation? Uh, exceeds expectations. I mean, if we're going to go to the moon, let's say it's 10 mil. Well, let's not say go to the moon. I'll leave that for the last because total ruin and like 
best case scenario mm -hmm. are at the ends mm -hmm. and uh, meets expectations is right in the middle. Unfulfilled obligations is right below that. So what's right above meets expectations? This goes a little better than you were expecting, but it's not like the moonshot. Oh, I mean, I guess it's in uh, five, right? We're saying two for like, yeah, okay. say five. So I'm saying exceeds expectations is five million. Mm -hmm. And uh, home run. What's your home run? Uh, home run would be 10. I'd say 10. 10 mil. Okay. So we've got uh, the option here is Steve partners with an influencer. <clears throat> there's, there's several outcomes and there's more outcomes than this probably, but I would encourage you not to get too bogged down in like every single possible outcome. Try to get it to the fewest amount that you can and bucket these things. So mm -hmm. first is Steve ruins this influencer's life completely <laughs> and his life is ruined as well. Yeah. So just total crash and burn and like the reputation gets, gets crushed. Second would be unfulfilled obligations means like it just, you didn't do what you said you were going to do. It didn't burn everything down but you didn't you didn't do what you said you were going to do it meets expectations let's say that's two million it exceeds expectations let's say that's five and a total home run is 10 mil so what is the probability steven remember all this has to add up to 100 mm -hmm. let's do some of these right here what is the probability you ruin this 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 all just completely crashes and burns uh crash and burn i mean I don't know. I, I think it's less than 1%, but let's just call it 1. 1%. Okay. What is the, the probability of unfulfilled obligations? 10? I don't know. I, I, I'm guessing it's like most people at least try to do it. Right? They might not succeed in doing it, but I think everyone gives it a you know, good old college try. So I'd say 10%. That might even be high. Okay. okay. Meets expectations. Meets expectations. Um, I say seventy-five. Okay, we're at eighty-six now, so we got to divide the last fourteen percent between exceeds and home runs. So, mm -hmm. what would you say is your home run? Let's do that one first. Say one again. One. Okay, so that leaves us with thirteen percent. Yeah. For exceeds. Okay, so now what we're gonna do? Is we're going to multiply these across google's like i know what you're doing i've seen you do this too many times now <laughs> so we multiply them across we add them up our expected value is 2.23 million which means if we have these probabilities correct and we've done uh and we've and we've correctly labeled these different outcomes and the options there if you were to roll this dice the expected value is around 2.23 million yeah. weighted across all these different things. Now, you might say, well, okay, if I do this thing, I'm going to make 2.23 million. And I would say you're, that's it's close, but it's an incorrect use of the, solve, of the uh, expected value. What you really want to do is lay this out for all three of your options. You look at, should I go with this influencer? Okay, we run the expected value for that. Run the expected value for a mastermind. Run the expected value for the money person. And, and what you're doing there is you're now getting everything on an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. 
because right. it's weighted average across all of the outcomes. And then you just pick the one that's the highest. Right. Uh, assuming that the trade-offs and the other currencies that you want between these things are the same, right? There's there's a lot of nuance to this because sure. if partnering with the uh, the mastermind makes it significantly easier for you to acquire, like your energy output with that versus just with, let's say, this money guy, mm -hmm. the energy output with the money guy because he doesn't bring a whole lot. Right. You're going to have to do all this. But yeah, he's got all the money, sure, but your energy and effort is just maxed out and that's going to impact the other things in your solvable problem, like the relationship with your wife and your kids yeah. and these types of things. Right. Because the things that's not showing up in the, ob in the expected value is the obligations. Right. So, so what you can also do, you could run expected value for other currencies. Yeah. As I say, like, What's the expected? With an influencer, obligations aren't going to be terribly high. But in Mastermind, it might be a lot higher. It could. So what I would do then is, again, isolate the currencies, what we teach you how to do. Isolate mm -hmm. the currency. Are we talking about energy? Are we talking about money? Are we talking about time? You can run expected value for all these things. If you're talking about energy, come up with some definition of what mm -hmm. one unit of energy looks like. We'll call it like, you know, one unit, one, one Steve Trang, you know, <laughs> energy unit, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, okay, list out all the outcomes. Worst case scenario is maybe you're uh, you're spending 40 units of Steve Trang's energy every mm -hmm. single week with one scenario and another scenario is much, much less. Well, again, these are all things to consider. And this tool is just here to get you out of yes or no, right or wrong, zero or one. Let's think about all the possible things that could happen. Let's assign some probabilities to them so that we can then compare things that aren't easily compared otherwise. Yeah, and I think the, the big thing here is <clears throat> after I look at the, the expected value part is again, just rem remembering to look at all the different currencies and, 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 and all these different situations as well. Because we only looked at the money part here. Uh, and again, my hope here was in doing this, was kind of share what's going on inside my, my head. But for all you guys that are thinking about potentially partnering up with somebody or any other strategic partnerships, just ask these questions. Yeah. Well, you, you, you're nailing it because, again, <laughs> I wanted to entertain the money conversation here, but we already established this isn't about the money. Right. So we actually ran an expected value on, and this is classic, what most entrepreneurs do, yeah. is they're like, well, I don't need the money. I'm really in it for the impact of the influence. And then we run expected value on the money <laughs> as if we're making decisions off of, well, how yeah. much more money can I make? Yeah. It's like, but that's not what you're doing this for. No. You're doing this because you want to be the guy in sales or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, oh, great, let's run the expected value for the impact of the influence that you can make. Yeah. What are the outcomes? What are the probabilities? Run that. And then that will tell you, hey, if I do this thing, it's going to give me a higher expected value in the actual currency that I really am, am optimizing this for. So yeah. you can really see how important it is and also how easy it is to mislabel things, to mislabel the reasons why you're doing something. And our brain is just always wired towards, yeah, but I could make more money if I did this. Right. And my point is always, yeah, but is that what you really are optimizing for? Maybe you've already hit your money goals and this has nothing to do with that. Um, maybe not. And maybe we do need to run this based off of money. Uh, but this was, a, I think this was an awesome case in point for not only how to use expected value, but how to differentiate 
between the currencies of why we do certain things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was a great refresher, right? Because it wasn't until we did this exercise. I was like, well, yeah, but there's other currencies that we're not accounting for. Whereas before, I might not have, or we would have done it intuitively, but we wouldn't be able to articulate it. Right? I was like, hey, if I go with this person, this part would be easier. If I go with this person, that part would be easier. But actually writing it, writing it out for all the currencies will give me greater clarity. Right? Which one, again, going back to the, you know, the, the purpose and the mission, uh, changing the way sales is done, creating millionaires within my organization. This gives me a path like, what currency am I wanting more of? What currencies do I have available to me? And which of these directions allows me to use the currencies that I have in excess of to get the currencies that I want? Mm -hmm. Yep, well said. Yeah. So if you're just listening to this, it's kind of hard <laughs> to kind of maybe potentially wrap your head around it. Maybe to listen to a couple of times, uh, but um, hopefully, right, for you guys that are ever thinking about partnerships or thinking about what questions to ask before partnering up, strategic partner or working with someone else, that this helps, helps answer those questions for you. Yep. If you got questions, let us know. You can go to realestatecertainty.com. If you've got big decisions, I mean, here's the thing. If you're, if you're running a business, you are making decisions every single day. Like that's what you do as a business leader is you're constantly making better decisions or you're constantly making decisions. The question is, is what are you doing to continue making better decisions? And first, what does it mean to make a better decision? We, we define that as it helps you get closer to the things that you actually want. That changes over time. You might hit your financial goals and realize I still Want to play business like pick up basketball? That's how I say it. It's not about the money. It's about getting the other currencies. It's about spending time with the relationships that I value. For Steve, it's more about the impact that he can make uh, in the sales arena in that in that entire um, industry, right? Like he's trying to make an impact and an imprint on a on a massive industry. Well, look how easy it is to mischaracterize things, <laughs> right? And this is what we mean. This is the type of uh, information that I, I encourage you guys to continue looking for is sharpening your decision-making skills. How do we make better decisions that get us closer to where we were trying to go without chasing more and more stuff that we don't actually need, right? That's the intention of what we do on this show is hopefully to give you guys tools to help you navigate the decisions that we know you're making on a daily basis. So, you know, if you've got comments on expected value, drop over to YouTube. Let us know what questions that you have. Drop over to realestatecertainty.com. You can still book some time with me there. I would love to hear the applications. I mean, we spend we spent uh, uh, a few hours last week just talking about all the different ways that you could use expected value. But when we obviously we've got a whole podcast on this. We've got I think it's over like eighty tools at this point that we use to help us make better decisions on a daily basis. If you're a CEO, if you're running a real estate business, if you're a real estate professional and you value increasing your uh, ability to make good decisions, check out what we do in Whale Club. That's what we help people do. We help people get clarity on what they actually want. Sometimes it's really easy to mischaracterize that. It also sounds really simple, which is why most people don't do it. They're like, yeah, 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 I already know that. That's the biggest risk to a smart person 
is saying, yeah, yeah, I already know that. Ask me how I know, right? Because <laughs> I did that for a long time. I already know. Oh, clarity. Oh, yeah. That I don't need any of that. Well, then I would ask you, are you living the life that you want to live on your terms and on your timeline? Because maybe you don't need it. Maybe you're excellent intuitively at doing that. What we know is that humans make mistakes. We don't always make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. If you want to get better at making better decisions to help you get closer to the life you want to live, uh, go check us out, realestatecertainty.com. Awesome. Very cool. So we'll wrap it up here. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you guys next time.